Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome into the Otzen Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prane. Kevin Wade is on the show with me today. And college football is back. There was a college football game that played over the weekend. Uh, Central Arkansas, I believe, played an FCS game. Uh, but nonetheless, football is back. Uh, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to start seeing more and more FBS teams start playing. And we're already seeing, though, more and more players choosing to opt out of their college football season. And we, we, we saw that a couple times uh, over the weekend. Most recently, Kenneth Gainwell, a running back from Memphis, uh, future NFL draft pick. Also, Jamar Chase, uh, potentially the, the best receiver or one of the best receivers in the country at, at worst out of LSU. He has recently announced that he's going to opt out of the 2020 football season at LSU, even though they're playing this fall, and he's going to prepare for the NFL draft. Kevin, the question becomes, Oregon and the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, they're trying to formalize a plan to play football in January, February, March type of a period, and we could see, we could see practices begin in December. And theoretically, January 1st, which is a Saturday this year, uh, it, or January 1st in 2021, could, could be the first weekend of, of the Pac-12 schedule. If, if all things go according to plan and they, they're able to pull it off, uh, that's as early as we could see this team play. And as we're seeing more and more names uh, continue to pull out of the list of eligible players this season uh it becomes the question guys are pulling out when they're playing you know a a regular scheduled season in terms of you know no non-conference games but the season will start a little later but end on time should we expect any Oregon players to maybe opt out you know is it is it more likely that Oregon players opt out I kind of have been wondering that with the NFL just saying like the NFL since really March when the idea of college football could be postponed for some conferences or some teams or might not finish. The NFL has just been, we are not moving the draft. We are not moving the combine. We are not moving any of our draft activities. So deal with it. Uh, So that has put a ton of this in question for a lot of college football players, even some that are now playing. Uh, Panay Sewell for Oregon is kind of the guy that you wonder, does he decide to play in the spring? And that now leads us into the potential of, do we, do we see you know, Oregon players leave? And I think the most obvious one is Panay Sewell and the starting left tackle, top three, top five draft pick. Um, it, it feels very safe to say at worst he's going to be a top 10 pick. And the worry for the question for me becomes at what point is it, 
is the risk more than the reward for Pene Sewell? And when you look at the fact that he's going to be a top 10 pick, potentially the number one pick, potentially a top three pick, I can't find, unless the season was going to start on time, end on time, uh, or, or if the season was going to – more so maybe if the, the season was going to end on time, on, on regular scheduled timing, there's really no justification for why he should play or should he not play. Mario Cristobal hasn't – has he's been asked. He said it's too early to make that decision. We've heard similar things, you know, from speaking to people that we're pretty confident with that know the Sewell family. Uh, no decision has been definitively been made yet. But everything is kind of like, hey, let's, let's all be rational here. We all want to play, but at the same time, playing in January, playing in February, playing in March, having, you know, missing the combine in February, and potentially having to go through a draft in April, report to minicamp in, in May, that's going to be extremely difficult. And so I, I'm of the feeling Oregon fan needs to – just kind of get through this and understand that they're not going to see Penny Sewell in a football uniform uh, for the Ducks in January, February. And if he does, it's going to be an amazing surprise. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think there's a lot of questions if Penny will play because the Ducks are one of the teams that aren't playing. So the NFL is going to still have their combine process. They're still going to have the senior bowl there in January. They're still going to have the combine in February and all of the draft prep is happening in March. And that's when Oregon is expected to play. You can't prepare for the NFL draft. It's a completely different process, physically, mentally. Um, teams are going to want to interview you, and that just can't happen when you're trying to play a season. Yeah, and and there's a, and there's also the injury fact factor here. Like, what happens if he gets hurt in late February, week, week seven of, of a 10-game schedule, and – all of a sudden, now it, he's he's out for five months. So it, it, it's basically March, April, May, June, July. He he's gone through no training camp. He's you know we don't know what he, his his rehab would be like or his weight training would be like. Wouldn't be able to go through mini camps. Uh, and now you could argue that this year's crop of NFL rookies, Justin Herbert included, they were not allowed to go through mini camps. And so, you know, we'll, we'll get a good feel of what those rookies are like and where they are uh, at, at that point in time. But it, it, it just doesn't seem logical. Uh, and I think if Penny Sewell was advised, he probably would not play this season. That would, be the, that, would be the, that would be the smart, logical decision to do. And unfortunately, it sucks because Oregon would only really get one and a half years out of Penny Sewell when – He's going to be arguably one of the best players in college football over that same time period, which is just a bummer. Yeah, it's an absolute bummer that uh, Ducks might only get one and a half seasons with him. But it, it just kind of makes sense. And you, you look at the all of the mock drafts, and realistically, there's only 10 or so guys that are in that absolute could skip the season and don't need to play. And Panay Sewell is in that camp. Uh, Jamar Chase being another one of those, Trevor Lawrence, who is playing, and Justin Fields, who isn't playing, are also in that camp. It's just a very small group of players, but Panay Sewell headlines that list as the Outland Trophy winner as a sophomore. Now, another player that 
we'll be looking at to, to potentially play or, or not. And we've done this on, on duck territory of should they play or should they not play. Uh, but, and I believe he shouldn't. And that's CJ Verdell, Oregon's running back two year starter. He, each of the last two years when he's, when he's played, he's battled injuries, his red shirt freshman year, which was in 2017, uh, that, year he he didn't play as a true freshman because of injuries um he he suffered a really nasty i think concussion uh and that really kept him out of action for a good chunk of the year and then by that time it wasn't worth wasting a year because if you remember the redshirt rule where you could play in four games and still redshirt without injury that that was uh not in effect yet and so should he return for Oregon in in January, February, March, like Oregon's in the Pac-12 are planning on playing, I look at this and just, I don't think, you know what? Like, he's he's ran for over 1,000 yards each of the last two seasons. He was the Pac-12 championship game MVP with one of the best statistical performances that game has ever seen. Uh, He is a guy that that scored a lot of touchdowns. He's had some really big games. And with the injury history, it's probably not worth him playing either. Yeah, I agree. I just think that he's a guy that has shown what he can do on the field. And running backs in the NFL, there are injury concerns long-term. And so if he's had injuries the past two seasons and as a redshirt, you you just wonder, is there value in him playing? Yeah, like how much is he going to improve his stock? I mean, he's not going to be a first-round draft pick, even if he – I mean, balls out like an insane running back at 1,800 yards. Like, is he really going to um, file and, and, and get himself into that first round, re- you know, area? I don't think so. Maybe he's a second round guy at, at, at you know, at his highest peak. Um, maybe he's a third round guy. But I still feel like he could still get drafted and not have any concerns about being healthy or not for fall camp with the NFL uh, by not playing and performing well at the combine. He's got a ton of uh, film and reps already. Uh, he's had two years where he's ran over a thousand yards. Uh, and Oregon has a history of producing running backs and he, you know, it, I, I just think there's a, there's a good, there's a good, there's enough there for him to still warrant getting drafted, but that's probably one where it's, not as clear cut as Panay or a couple other guys on the list. And I, I think this next guy for me, Lenore, Diamante Lenore, Oregon senior cornerback, is another one in which it could go either way for me. Uh, I, I think Lenore should sit, but I think you also could make a pretty good argument for why he, he could play if another player in the secondary chooses to opt out. Lenore was one of those guys last year that I really thought could have gone. I think out of all the players that chose to come back, Lenore was one who I think has the highest draft ceiling uh, of those returning juniors. Uh, he is go- He is a day early day three, day two selection in my book last year. I think this year he has the chance to be a solid day three uh, or day two selection. And yeah, it makes sense that he could opt out. He's proven everything he needs to. He's been a starter for years for the Ducks, so it just makes sense that if anyone in the secondary, he is the guy that I would look at and say, you know what, he's the guy that might sit out. 
And, and Oregon would be relatively fine because you have Mikhail Wright. You just recruited Dante Manning. Um, you would lose the seniority, but I, I I could understand it if he decided to opt out. Yeah, and that it, it's interesting because I th- I think Thomas I think Lenore probably and Thomas Graham equally have good chances of landing on NFL rosters, but I think it's it. You're gonna you're gonna find arguments for either one. Like I, Thomas Graham's the, the better prospect, or Dominic Lenore is the better prospect. And I think Lenore, though Graham has been kind of DB one or cornerback one, however you want to dignify him at Oregon the last two seasons. He's kind of always matched up um, against the, the the opposing team's top player um, in, in most situations. Uh, they've changed a little bit boundary and, and field corners and whatnot, but um, this past year. But I look at I look at Lenore and think he's kind of flown under the radar with Thomas Graham being there a little bit. If that kind of makes any kind of sense, if if a guy like Lenore could ever fly under the radar, um, I always feel like teams throw more at Lenore than they do at Graham, and this could be a, a year in which if Lenore plays, he could really go out and be like, look, I'm the alpha of the cornerback group, the, you know, clear cut. There's no one else that's, that's near me. And I'm going to be, you know, taking on the best player and potentially drastically shoot up my draft stock. But on the flip side, it could also hinder him as well. Yeah, I think Lenore has been able to fly under the radar just because Thomas Graham was so good as a true freshman for Oregon. Yep. And that, that's kind of changed the narrative a little bit. I know teams have started to pick on Lenore. Um, they've tried to, but he's been able to shut that down, just kind of going opposite Thomas Graham. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I know that he has a lot of tape, uh, just like Thomas Graham. So I, I think when you look at NFL evaluations, and as we've said for Panay Sewell and C.J. Verdell so far, they both have the tape. So does Geomador Lenore. Um, I think he's got enough tape. The NFL has seen what they need to see. Are there things he can improve on by coming back? Absolutely. Um, I think he's going to have to learn how to be just a more pure cover corner in the next level, just the way that the systems work. Uh, but I think he's shown that he can do a lot of that. I just kind of wonder if the existing tape has already been picked over so people see the flaws and now they're just kind of stuck in their minds uh as what happens when you haven't played a game in a year and a half i mean you look at a lot of players who miss their senior seasons and then go to the draft and people only remember the negatives because they've had a year and a half to look at the tape so are people going to be looking at that arizona state game when he got beat by brandon Ayuk? um i kind of wonder if those kind of things will get um over attention if he doesn't play just the way and the nature of the NFL draft cycle. All right, that, that wraps up our first segment of the, of the episode. We're going to take a quick break, come back and discuss two other players in the secondary, along with some others, but two in particular that we feel like could have their stock as high as they could ever be right now. And it might not make sense for them playing in 2021 either for the Oregon Ducks. So I'll come up next year after the break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, welcome back to the Odds and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem. Kevin Wade is with me on the show today. And we're looking at names on Oregon's roster that could potentially sit out or play uh, a, f- a winter season because more and more college football players are choosing to opt in out of playing the 2024 football season. Most recently, Jamar Chase, the nation's top wide receiver out of LSU, he opted out. Kenneth Gainwell, a running back from Memphis, one of the top running back prospects, he also pulled out. Um, this is going to be a deal in which uh, there's going to be a sense of guys that have you know strong NFL futures, like playing or not playing, they're still getting drafted. Um, you could argue there's guys that could be you know being drafted as a seventh round pick right now, but go into a season and play, and maybe they improve their draft stock to the point where they're a second-round pick or a third-round pick. You know, we've seen that type of stuff. I mean, Joe Burrow was not even a, a first-round consideration or, or even a, a round-two pick uh, going into the fall of 2019, and he ended the season as the bonafide, clear-cut number-one draft pick. So you could see big jumps like that, and that's what quantifies – yourself as you know wanting to play is can you get that big of a jump um or can you prevent that big of a fall by playing as well and Javon Holland is one in which I think going into 2019 I felt like he was going to be a first round draft pick wasn't quite sure he was going to do it as a junior Uh, I was I was looking at him as a a a true four-year guy but after 2019, it became pretty evident. Javon Holland is a first-round draft pick, day two at very, very worst. And he doesn't need to play as a junior probably to, to still keep that ranking, that status in the eyes of the NFL intact in my mind. So I, I look at him and think he's probably not playing. Yeah, he's a, he's a prospect where he doesn't need to play. Uh, I don't think his draft stock can go crazy. Uh, higher than it already has. I mean, almost every mock draft, I have found one out there, and it's from a less than reputable source that doesn't include Javon Holland in the first round. I know it's still very early, but this is going to be a weird draft cycle. I mean, it's a lot like the the recruiting side of things where it's just been so long without actual game film that it's just hard for things to move. There might be an event, there might be a combine here or there that shifts someone's draft talks dramatically, but the status quo is, for the large part, going to stay the same. And Javon Holland has just proven the past two seasons as he came on as a true freshman and then last year that he is a very versatile weapon in the secondary. But then he also gives you a 
skills as a punt returner as well, which some teams carry kick returners and punt returner specialists. Uh, but having a defensive back, a defensive back that can kind of do it all, I think is a very plus in his favor. Uh, the big thing to watch for me, and uh, it was pointed out by Cole Cowell of the SEC Network yesterday when Jamar Chase uh, opted out, is that agents are talking with colleges to do the new rules. They're allowed to work with the colleges and, and, and let players know and like say, hey, we'd like to talk to them. And when you have an agent that's able to say, hey, I know the draft isn't for eight months, but here's an advance. You can get paid and you can come work out and we're going to take care of your reputation and your training and all of that stuff for the net X next eight months and make some money that could sway a prospect in a certain direction as we've seen with guys like Jamar Chase. So I, I kind of, that inclines me to think that Javon Holland might opt out. Then again, he has been very vocal to one and two raise the standard he's a big part of that pac 12 unity movement so some of me thinks he does stick around for longer maybe doesn't declare this early if he does end up going but really tries to make some changes and really leave a more off the field legacy as well yeah i i look at it and think i agree with a lot of what you said of just the risk is far outweighs the reward for for holland and and the opportunities he could get to continue training and just get himself healthy and ready for an NFL season makes sense to me. And and I, I hope Tuck fan out there doesn't look at this and say they're abandoning the team. They're, you know, they're not doing what's best for the program and whatnot because they've, they've tried and it's not their fault that a season got postponed. And at the same time, they need to look out for themselves and what makes sense for them and what makes sense for their families, uh, whether it's, it's playing or not. And, and look, I, I think every player we've discussed so far, it wouldn't surprise me. It w- I would be surprised if Holland or Sewell came back or yeah, if, if they came back, but at the same time, like I could see both those guys individually making that decision of playing like, knowing who they are, seeing what they mean to the team, seeing what uh, you know, they've invested into this program and, and how they truly feel about the, the, the coaches in the, in the locker room, the players in the locker room. Like, there's a side of me that says, like, yeah, you could, you could sell me on them coming back. I don't think it's going to happen, but at the same time, it's not a deal where I would be just absolutely floored, bombed away, that, that one of them chose to come back. I, I'd be shocked, but it, it wouldn't, you know, you would knock me over with a feather. Yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. I think the reason it's just a little harder for me to believe is not that there's nothing to play for, but with the other three Power Five conferences and the Pac-12 and Big Ten deciding to sit out, like, it kind of, and I mean, the playoffs is still going on, but the Pac-12 won't be a part of that. So it, it feels like the ultimate prize just isn't there. Uh, and these aren't guys that are going to come back. I mean, there's just too much on the table. I mean, they could, but there's just too much on the table for those two guys to return. Um, it would it would just be an absolute all time stunner if they like return for a whole another year. Like that's just oh yeah, yeah 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 so, like that's not happening. But yeah, I mean, I, I think they've given all they could give to elevate the Ducks to the status of a national championship caliber team because the Ducks, unfortunately, will not be playing for national championships. And I, I think that's kind of why I think they do go, because you're seeing players on teams 
that are playing for national championships opt out. So, um, yeah, I was just going to say, how much do you feel like the fact of what's at stake for Oregon's 2020-2021 winter season will factor into this? Because I don't think – like if they had an opportunity to play for a national championship and everyone else was doing it and, you know, backing – you know, postponing their season and whatnot, then I could maybe see – some kind of scenario play out where, you know, hey, you know what? Everyone else is going to be in the same boat as we are. Let's potentially come back and play for a national championship. But the fact that everyone else isn't doing what the Pac-12 and the Big Ten are doing and the Pac-12, even if they do pull off a season, they're not competing for the college football playoff. They're not competing for a Rose Bowl berth. They're not competing for a Fiesta Bowl berth. Now, some kind of secondary game might get created, but it's not the traditional big, you know, group of five uh, uh, New Year's six or, you know, playoff game type atmosphere. Um, I think that factors a lot into why a, a guy should come back or why a guy should stay. Because like you said, we're seeing guys who are playing this fall who are in the national championship hunt pull out. Is it worth it to risk it for, I mean, we've been jokingly calling on the message board Rose bowl too. Yeah. Uh, you've already won the Rose bowl. Like can't do much better than that. And uh, I, I think all the players would understand. I mean, Mario Cristobal, whenever a player transfers or elects to just leave the program for whatever reason, or even coaches, you always want to see your players move on to something better. And uh, he's okay with people moving on to, to better things. That's just what a college football coach does. Uh, and that's their goal. And so to, to put guys into the NFL, it just makes sense. And I think it's something that the team will understand, the coaches will understand, and I think the fans will ultimately understand because if, if we're sitting here in April and Panay Sewell is off the board in the first 30 minutes of the draft and then an hour later you hear Javon Holland, I mean, that's incredible marketing for the program, especially with the fact that the Ducks go top 10 back-to-back um, in the NFL draft and really potentially setting up something special with um, Herbert last year at number six, Penesul, who I've only seen one mock draft where he's outside the top five. Um, and then you have guys like KT the following year, potentially, and just it gets better and better. So it, I think it, it continues a brand movement for Oregon. And I, I think the understanding is that this is what is expected. I know it's not normal for Oregon fans, but it's going to be the new normal when you have in that first five picks you're hearing university of oregon and the nfl draft real quick we've got three guys to get through let's let's look at graham and jordan scott real quickly um what are your thoughts on either of those guys should they play should they not play i think jordan i think jordan scott um i i I think he should play i think he's kind of proven a lot of what he can do uh, he's a, a specialty nose tackle. He's not very tall, uh, and he's just going to have to win with his motor. So I think an extra film, a year of film, and an extra year of just really grinding it out. Uh, he, I don't think he's a guy that's going to be highly drafted or drafted at all, but I think he does have a shot to make a practice team and just really win by grinding uh, and making an NFL roster in the long term and having a nice career. Uh, I think the film is going to win out there. Thomas Graham, 
Um, similar to Dinamador Lenore, he's a, a known prospect. I think he can go either way. It's just whether he feels comfortable enough with the risk of an injury or he feels he really has some unfinished business to take care of. Now I look at Brady Breeze. This is a guy who maybe has the toughest decision to make out of everybody because his draft stock may never be higher than it is right now. Think about it. Rose Bowl MVP, huge game in the Pacto Championship game. I think he led the team in tackles both those games. Had a huge game in early November down in Los Angeles against USC where he scored a touchdown on a fumble return. I think he had an interception in that game as well. Um, at the same time, has he done enough where he's not even been a full-time starter in – he wasn't even starting until like November of 2019, but has he done enough where NFL scouts say, yeah, we'll draft you even if you go, you don't play. It's a weird kind of calculation for him because he wasn't one of the players that um, came back with an NFL evaluation last year. I think he was really a bubble guy. Like if he would have went before the Rose bowl, you would have been like, Oh, I just think he's a late rounder, uh, practice squad type guy, undrafted free agent. But then he had that Rose Bowl game, and that just changed the calculus on him because he had such a good game and everyone was so high on his skills. I think he could use the film just because he doesn't have a lot of it, but what he does have and what scouts are going to look at is really good. Um, It's really a coin flip. I think it could go either way. Um, I think there might be some team that just says, oh, this guy, he's a late day two, early day three pick. Um, other teams just might wait until the sixth round is kind of where if I was looking at it today. So it's, it's all over the map for him. But I think uh, he's a guy that is just going to, as we've seen it, his play at Oregon, he's going to continually push. And I, I think he could have a nice NFL career regardless of the decision he makes. Yeah, I, I look at him as he if if he can continue what he did in November across a 10 game 2021 football season then we could see him skyrocket up the draft and it's a lot like what I was talking about earlier um where this is a player who he yeah he's not going to be a first round guy he's not going to be a second round guy not probably not going to be a third round guy, but he could elevate himself from being like a seventh round mid tier pick to fourth round where he's squarely on a roster going into training camp and he's not having to go into training camp fighting to, you know, make one of those roster spots. And that's, you know, that's where you have to find is the risk worth the reward. And, and in that case, th- there's a lot to gain by Brady Breeze playing. So I, I think there's, there's going to be a ton of interest. There's going to be a ton um, of, it, uh, of discussion among players where at Oregon, what do they do? And, and quite honestly, Kevin, like when do you think we could even expect to know? I don't think there's a big rush right now. Oh, no. Panay Sewell and Javon Holland have all the time in the world because they want to see if the season plays out. And, I mean, you could even see, like, I know that the – we don't even know how long the season's going to be. So what if Pac-12 comes around and says, hey, we're just going to play a six-game season starting on January 1st. 
uh, or even the second week of January will be done in February. And then those players might be like, oh, I can get some tape. I can play with my teammates one more time uh, and have that experience. And I mean, NFL values tape over combines and those other events. So I think for a lot of these guys, a six game season would be the perfect scenario because you get that extra tape. It's not too grueling on your body. Yes, there is an injury risk, but it's what the NFL wants to see. And then you still have an entire month to go through the interview process and all that stuff ahead of the draft. I think all these guys should just wait, sit down and just say, hey, I want to see what the season looked like before making my decision. If we get to November and there's still no idea what's going on with the season, yeah, they should just sign that sign that uh, contract with an agent and say, I'm opting out. But until then, who knows? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. There's, there's not going to be any kind of rush here um, in terms of deciding because, quite honestly, nothing changes, whether it's you coming out in September 1 saying you're not playing or waiting until November 1st and, and saying you're not playing. Uh, Oregon's not playing any date in between. So there's, you, know, you, you basically hold off on making your decision until you definitively know when the Pac-12 or the Pac-12, uh, Big Ten, are going to be playing college football, and then you make your decision. All right, now we know definitively, yes, there's no going back. They are going to play. Okay, now I, ne- now I need to make my decision. All right. That's going to do it for us here on the Odds and Audibles podcast. Thank you for listening to today's show, and we will talk to you guys very soon. Hello, everyone. It's Mike Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets.